Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. You didn't match my cadence this time. Oh, wait, do it again, do it again. <laughs> Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. I don't know, nice. heart, it's, it's Yeah, it was close, it was close. Closer. Well, enough about that. We've only got 45 minutes. This week we're talking about episode 11 of Survivor 45. This game rips your heart out. And boy, did it ever. I don't know if it ripped your heart out, but it ripped my heart out. Oh, tell me more. Well, I just hate seeing two queens go head to head. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that Julie, while I don't think that she made the wrong decision, I do think Austin was a better decision for her. Yeah, I think Austin was perhaps a better decision and obviously like would have been a bigger move from like the audience perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she still made a good move. Yes. I mean, she didn't really have a choice. She was backed into a corner. Yeah. I mean, we can get into the fact of like, why was she given the power to make such a big move (laughs) by people that knew she was going to make said big move? That's another conversation which makes you think that there was more to this edit that we weren't shown because one has to imagine that everyone was in on the fact that this was going to happen. That's Mm -hmm. why it was a unanimous vote. So... I have to feel like there was some aspect of the scramble that was just omitted so that we sort of built up this tension. Well, I mean, I do think that the Reba 4 probably knew or believed that Julie would cast the only opposing vote, Julie would play her idol, and that it would be Emily. But the gag would have been if Julie had let them all think that and then voted Austin. Right, but I'm saying that I feel that... So we have that scene where uh, Austin tells Drew that he told Dee, but then Mm -hmm. talks Drew down from the fact that Dee would tell Julie. I think that they would have come to the conclusion that Julie definitely knew. And I think the four of them likely gathered together and had a talk about it and laid all of their cards on the table and agreed to continue moving forward in the game. 100%. And I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, Keturah or Jake was aware of it as well. Right. So, which leads me to the fact that, like, I really enjoyed this episode in that, like, I have a lot that I want to unpack. But I have to say, like, top level, this was a 60-minute episode that was stretched into (laughs) 90. And I feel like it just kills so much. And the best example I can give is, like, Emily on that adventure. Mm -hmm. Like, why did we see that? Mm-hmm. It was so clearly yeah. like, well, it's her last episode. We need to complete her story arc, which I think was a very weak arc to begin with, which we can get into. Um, but it just felt so unnecessary. It's a single person going on a journey that they're not going to take. There's no conversation or strategizing to be had with anybody else on the journey. There was no reason to show that footage whatsoever other than to put a bow on Emily. Well, and what was so surprising to me was that the journey had no impact on the game. So we did see Emily come back and tell them the story of what happened, and she was completely honest. But we also saw people say, I don't believe her. And so if you don't believe her, then is there not some aspect of Julie's vote, which if the Reba 4 are aware that Julie's going to play her idol and vote for Emily, then why isn't there a question of like, well, did Emily get something at the journey? And is this going to like totally backfire? Or maybe they had a backup plan where it's like, okay, well, we all vote for Julie. She plays her idol. Julie votes for Emily. Emily pulls something out or she's immune. Um, and then we just revote and like... It's Jake or something, right? Uh, And that conversation may have been had. I'm just kind of surprised that the journey wouldn't have tipped Julie in the direction of voting for Austin. Right. So they must have ended up believing Emily. And I feel like Emily was given quite a bit on that journey uh, that would be believable. There's something that I was kind of surprised about where she goes to that puzzle, which was the puzzle that they 
presented the players in Sweat versus Savvy in episode one that nobody could complete. And in the instructions that Emily's reading on the journey, it says four attempted and none completed, which I thought was like too much information to be giving a player. And I know it's ancient history now, but you know, there there was a big, in fact, it was Emily at the Lulu tribe who was like, I don't believe that, uh, who was it, Caleb and Sabaya didn't get something on that journey. Like, they're telling this story about how they couldn't complete the the challenge, and I don't believe them. And here, Survivor is giving Emily confirmation that that did happen. And, like, mm-hmm. granted, it's not relevant anymore, but I'm, I was kind of surprised they gave that info. Right. Also, on the Emily tip, I just feel like they made such an effort to once again, and not just they, also Emily herself, to retell the story of Emily. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, one, we've been told this story and shown this story, but also we only got like two episodes of like the chaos Emily and then everything after that was this Emily. So the idea that she, as it's presented, has made this huge shift in her personality that she will then take out of the game and implement in her day-to-day life is sort of like... We just, there was not, um, there wasn't a turn for us. It was like, we saw this glimpse of a person and then the majority of the person we saw is in fact the person she claims to have evolved into. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, too, it's sort of like, so you're telling me that like one conversation with Caleb completely shifted your paradigm and how you approach interpersonal relationships. That's pretty bizarre. So I... I'm going to say, I was going to save it for the after show, but just like <laughs> Emily is like very uniconic to me in the arc of Survivor. Wow. Yeah. I felt like they, they, and I say they being a combination of Emily and the producers slash editors just did a really terrible job of like landing the plane. And I have to say like when the plane first took off, tons of excitement, right? I was like, this is, you know, I'll allow this fuel emission. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I'll allow this carbon <laughs> footprint. But uh, but by the end, I just feel like we never got anything interesting from Emily to really ingrain her in the pantheon of greats on Survivor. Right. Yeah. Okay. There. Yeah. There's a bit to unpack there. I do. I do really like Emily, and I think her story was good for this season. Is it one of the great stories of all time? No, it's not. Um, But I do think the kind of character, like, so post-Chaos Emily, I think she fits into this character type of, like, I'm trying to think who else would be in this, like a Franny, right, from Mm -hmm. last season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, for me, and maybe it's recency bias, but I think that Emily's, like, a little more memorable than a Franny. Yeah, Um, I agree. Like, I do think that she works really well on screen, and she is a good confessionalist. Um, It's just that she was just a little more safe than I would have liked for her to be, which, as I've always said, was probably good for her game. Uh, Actually, well, we can revisit that. You know, I've always said it's probably good for her game, but it's not what I wanted from her based on the glimpses I got in those early episodes. But was it good for her game? Because... He, like at the beginning of this episode, we have her talking about, you know, being a part of the Reba 4 or like being, you know, an ancillary member to the Reba 4 and her saying, but I don't know, is this a real alliance or is this a fake alliance? And she's had so many opportunities to make moves against the Reba 4, even coming up with a great idea last week to target Julie and she didn't take it. And I've been sitting on this podcast arguing like, eh, it's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. But given the way she goes out, maybe it wasn't for the best. Mm-hmm. Maybe she should have taken that move. It just seems like no one's really like playing that hard. And even when we have conversations about like, let's make a move, it's always feels very meta to me. And it feels like, let's make a move for the sake of making a big move, as opposed to let's make a big move to better our game. Right. And I don't know that every, anybody really has made a big move. I don't think anyone's made I it. think It's actually that, been quite, quite contrary to big moves, right? It's like yeah. the fact that we have a, what was this, a six to one vote uh, this deep into the game is, I don't know, it's not great television in my opinion. Despite the fact that, like I said, I think this was a really good episode of Survivor yeah. for lots of other reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the strategy stuff I thought was some of the weakest parts. And I have to say, this tribal was like nearly unbearable to watch just because like there's nothing to discuss like yeah, at this there, juncture yeah. of the game. I agree. I thought I was going to get like a really bombastic tribal, but with this kind of a setup where it's like, 
they don't want to reveal that Julie has this idol. Some of them don't even know Julie has the idol, right? And so they don't want to reveal that. And so you can only have like a very surface level fake conversation at Tribal if you're really going to conceal that. And then you have Drew giving like this for once concise answer and Jeff goading him to talk more. Yeah, It's like, (laughs) all right. All right. And also, actually, this leads me to another, like, you know, banner statement. Uh, Can we get less smiling on this show? I think there's a combination of two things that keep happening. One is that everybody walks in for the challenge beaming. Mm -hmm. And then we have Jeff entering tribal council with a shit-ass grin on his face. This is every week of this goddamn show. And it's like, this is Survivor. I want my contestants miserable Mm -hmm. and I'm just not loving this shit and I I really do think as I was watching this week I was like this I was like this crystallizes the delineation between old and new what I loved and what I loathe and to me it's like I just don't think these players should be and players or Jeff should be so happy all the time and I don't know maybe unpopular opinion question mark I'm not quite sure but I just was like enough with the smiling you're sort of doing like the, the you, we've gone, the pendulum has swung the other way with like men telling women to smile. You're like, actually don't smile. Don't smile. <laughs> this is a, it's a feminist take. Don't yeah, smile. It, is. it really is. Um, yeah. Well, we've talked about that before. This is like fourth with, wave. Like, with like all of the new era casts walking into tribal council and be like, wow. Yeah, wow. Oh my cool. God. Um, and you know, it used to be that you didn't want, you didn't want to go to tribal council, not a good place to be. Yeah. So I hear you. You do sound like a really big curmudgeon, but I hear you. Yeah. I don't think that's, I know. I don't like, who cares? (laughs) Um, with regards to the big move conversation though, I have to point out, and lots of people are talking about this, but why are we not getting anybody splitting votes this season? Like, this is a real epidemic this season, and I don't know what is going on. But there, again, there's like a, a, an opportunity here. If people, if even one leak gets out about Julie's idol, well, even within the Reba 4, it's like, Drew, for example, can be like, oh, shit, Julie's going to vote for Emily, and that's really not who I wanted to go home. But at this point, Julie's not going to go home. And so if we all dogpile on Julie, then her one vote for Emily is going to send him home. What if I rally up one other vote? Me and somebody else vote, put, put two folks on Jake just, just to be safe so that I can keep playing my game with Emily, deal with the repercussions from Julie. Um, it, it makes Julie's move less impressive in front of the jury. Um, there's like so many options here or even Katura and Jake, they're, they're a voting block of two potentially, right? And like they could vote for whoever they want if they suspect something might be up. Mm-hmm. And we're just yeah. not seeing that this season. Yeah. And on that, I was surprised. I thought this was a big opportunity for D to make a move here, um, using the information she knew to basically say, okay, if my own alliance is going to try and take a shot at my number one, I'm going to, I'm the one who knocks. It's a big, it's a Breaking Bad reference for those that don't know. Um, and basically go after. Drew and Austin before they're able to go after her. But I think the confusion, and I, and again, I think this is actually really interesting confusion is that like, she's sort of split between who is her number one between Julie and Austin. And then the complexity of like Drew with the, with the immunity idol this episode, I do just think from like a, despite the fact that I think tribal was really boring. I think all of the elements leading up to tribal were super interesting in terms of like the dynamics at play here, just because you really felt like a lot of people were between a rock and a hard place, particularly D. And also like when you started to see the smoke coming out of Julie's ears, it was like, wow, it's like, I don't know what this woman is capable of in terms of like, here we are being like, Emily is the cast, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe Julie's got mm. a fire in that in in her tongue. Yeah, chaos, Julie. I know she was pissed off. I have to say, I mean, we'll we'll play a little game. Do you want to play the game now? Do it. Okay, so I think I'm gonna shock you. But <laughs> okay. Get out my little <clears throat> my little handy list here. Okay, <sighs> so let's start with Jake. St- I think Starless this episode, though. We- okay, we'll get into him later. 
I'm gonna say Starless by comparison. So yeah, will, sure, and, that's a good, yeah. good qualifier. Okay, so Katora, Star, Starless, Austin, Starless, Starless, D, Star, Star, Drew, Star, Star, Julie, Star, Star, Emily, Star, Starless. And those are our contestants. That's it? Oh, wait. I guess I should mention two other contestants that were featured in this episode. Boston Rob. Star. Star. Amber. Star. Star. Two other contestants that were featured in this episode. Hannah. Star. Star. <laughs> Sabaya. Star. Star. <laughs> I have to say, I so... First of all, I appreciated the roll of tape footage of Boston Rob and Amber, but in particular, when they gave us the shot of them at Tribal sharing that kiss, because obviously, not at Tribal, excuse me, around camp sharing that kiss, because mm -hmm. obviously we there's certain footage of Boston Rob and Amber we always see, for instance, the proposal. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fun to sort of tell the story in a less paint-by-numbers way, um, and so I appreciated that that little moment, because I was like, I was like, I don't know this moment that they're showing. I don't. It's not canonical in a good way. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but okay, not to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess if you didn't grow up with it, then maybe it's different. Um, but I had to wonder whether this was a little like I, maybe they just heard the names Boston, Rob, and Amber, and were like, "Oh, time to dig through the archives." Um, or there's a little more to this. Could we be foreshadowing a situation in which D beats Austin in the final? In the oh, same way that Amber beat Rob. Interesting. Hadn't occurred to me. I would be very much there for it if I believed that the circumstances were more of a lateral comparison. Yeah, sure. But that said, when it does come to pass, I, I'll snap my fingers. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know, like, what to make of this, like... Uh, the D Austin of it all uh -huh. because it's goes back to like how much the show in particular, Jeff were pushing the showmance of season 44 in the mm -hmm. preseason as far as being like, this is such a hook. And it was, I don't want to say it was a nothing burger, but it didn't like really make a significant dent in the game itself. Yeah, besides sure, the yeah. fact that like these two met and they started dating. I don't even think it was like that they fell in love. I think it was that they like fell in like, as yeah. opposed to like Amber and Rob, where it really felt like they were like keyed in, they were playing the game as lovers. They were making yeah. decisions in the game, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so for them to introduce this at the 11th hour and then have a lot of it play out in confessional versus in the scene itself, because it seemed like they were just in the, in the actual scene, which was just them at the beach, like, I wouldn't even necessarily call it flirtatious, let alone like a sign that they, it felt more like brother and sister to me, but oh. unsure. Uh, I thought it was flirtatious. But I feel like, unlike Franny and Matt, which happens, like, it's the spark started really early. It feels like they sat on this for a while. And, of course, like, you know, we've been complaining for the past couple of weeks that, like, well, we haven't really seen them interact. And so here we see them interact. And, like, maybe the reason we're not seeing it is because, like, the chemistry is not leaping off the screen. It's, it's not, not to say that it's not there between them, but it's not like, you know, they're looking at the Milky Way. Uh and, uh, and uh, you know, my friends told me not to get into showmance. But, you know, it obviously, there's. I feel like there is something there. And they're both being kind of coy about it online. So I feel like they could be dating now. I have to correct something I said last week, which was that I said that I think <laughs> I was pretty sure that D has a hot boyfriend. Uh, no, so I was corrected on that. That is her hot brother, in fact. Um, so she did not have a boyfriend. So she may have one now, but I don't mind the idea that it's starting later in the game. In fact, that I think that that's probably a better model than jumping into something right in the pre-merge. Uh, it seems less faked to me. Mm -hmm. And so even if the chemistry isn't, you know, like really palpable in the TV show, I kind of appreciate it as like a realistic moment of being like well there's no one else here who else are we gonna flirt with a little bit and uh it'll be like a slow burn we'll see what happens mm -hmm. we shall see not all not maybe not an all-time survivor couple but 
They're cute. So who would you say is second to Boston and Rob and Amber as far as like oh, all-time shit. survivor couples? No, we've got some good ones. Um, well, not Parvati and John. Uh, not that. <laughs> not that. Uh, wait, who else do we have? Does it, Well, we've got... I feel like blood we, versus waters don't count. I was just going to say, we have to avoid Rupert and Tyson there. Uh, oh, oh, um, Todd and Spencer. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a cute one. And oh, oh, number two would be uh, 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 Ethan and Jenna. That's number two. Oh for sure. my God. Without number question. Two. Yeah, my literally God. iconic. Sean, I'm a little disappointed in you for Sorry, like, having you me, me jump spot. I, and I'm like, I'm trying to think of like current couples. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like Joe and Sierra. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> backing the car up, backing the car up. <laughs> Do we have any other gay couples? No, I think just Todd and Spencer that we know of. Raise his eyebrow. I do know uh <laughs> I do know of a hookup, but that's that's oh? for another day. <laughs> Is it <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't go on this or the after show, unfortunately. Wow. I uh, well, I did have to say something because, um, okay, and I'm sorry, trouble. I'm just going to vamp while I pull it up. But I do think we had a missed opportunity of like Brett and Zeke dating. Right. Oh, yeah. From, that uh, would have been they were good. both on. They were both millennials versus Gen X, right? That's correct. You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It always disappoints me, and I'm sure there are reasons, and so I'm not going after the person. But, like, I wish Zeke was more a part of the Survivor-verse. Like, yeah, me day. too. I get why he's and I don't, not. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I don't mean, like, oh, I want him on the RHAP circuit. That's not even it. But I just feel like he's very inaccessible. And, yes, to your point, like, perhaps for good reason. But I will say, like, I feel like within the uh, fandom of Survivor, not only is he really well-liked, but he's really respected, like, as oh, a totally. player of Survivor. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's a shame. Okay, I want to hear so from Zeke more. I have an update on Brett, which somebody forwarded me. This is from page six reporting. Breaking okay. news. This was yesterday. Survivor alum Brett LaBelle and his much younger boyfriend, Chris Stanley, were mistaken for father and son while shopping together. Stanley, 23, shared the story in a TikTok video posted on November 27th, telling his followers that he and LaBelle, 50, were purchasing a Christmas tree when their cashier made the assumption about their relationship. More details at the link in the bio. Wow. Page six. On the Brett LaBelle beat. Who would have thought? <laughs> it's like Brett LaBelle getting more press than just about any Survivor alumni. Like, that is the kind of article they would write about Jerry Manthe in season two. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. When these people were stars. But it's been a while since Millennial versus Gen X. So it's so funny. So after we just posted the behind the scenes photo snapped of Parvati and Ozzy from Parvati's birthday. Mm -hmm. And Jerry commented on it. Mm -hmm. And then Parvati commented in response to Jerry's comment. And like... I'm not trying to pat us on the back or anything, but like just the fact that like we've instigated public 2023 discourse uh-huh. between Jerry and Parvati is no small feat. And I'm not patting us on the back per se, but I am like, you know, golf claps. Uh, yeah, totally. I totally agree. And Ozzy commented on it, and like it's yeah. just you know, I it's don't. Poppin'. I don't want to. Um... I never want to seem like I'm gloating or something, but sometimes, like, genuinely, just having grown up with these people, I'm like, I'm like, what is my life that this has happened? Like, that, because if I never started this podcast and I came across an Instagram account where I saw Jerry and Parvati commenting to each other under a picture of, like, a modern Parvati and Aussie, I would be, like, completely gagged. But the fact that I have the login details to that account is... uh, really gag worthy so uh not only that you are in the left part of the frame of that photo that was, that was I really cut am. Out. my elbow is in that yeah picture. so it goes even one step it goes further. deeper okay yeah really okay. Well, magical. good times you know who will not be seeing that photo of ozzy and parvati d not just d kelly kelly not kelly will them. miss out <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> Brandon too, but Kelly will miss out on the opportunity to see her friend Parvati. Um, yeah, a birthday party that 
She was not asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my god. Okay, back to can the you, episode. Wait, but can you imagine if Kelly was there and like confronted us? Well, we thought Kelly. Wait, would be there imagine if Kelly was there, confronted us, and like beat the shit out of and us. and like drowned us in the pool. And then like yeah, and then like we posted like photos of us with like black eyes, being like just met Kelly. <laughs> or Kelly was like, oh, you guys need a ride home. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And we're never heard from again. Yeah, the, we're riding in the See, trunk. See, I'd respect her for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd be like, finally, something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I just know someone's going to clip this out and send it to her. Yeah, well, I hope they do. Listen, I would love the opportunity to have Kelly or Dee on this podcast. Not so much to talk Survivor. Oh, just to But just to out. confront. Yeah, yeah, I feel like. It, well, I don't it, think we did anything wrong in this situation. No, well, just like w- eventually when we do have Reed Kelly on the pod, we'll have some. We'll have, yeah, we'll that have one to I'm cross, more scared of. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to cross a bridge <laughs> before we can get to the Survivor talk. Uh, enough about us. Do you want to talk about Katora at all? I do. Okay. Talk so, away. the music that underscored her story yes. arc, as told by this episode, was insane. Was like, it? Like, I thought it was insane. Oh. I honestly, I don't have the time or bandwidth, but, like, I, I wish we could just play the music underscoring cause, and, and the changes throughout. It was, like... Uh, yeah, it, it was like watching uh, 10 different stories unfold where it's like she said a happy thing and the editor's like, happy music, happy music. And then she'd like say something that was like inching towards a little bit sad. And it was like the music shift and it's like sad music, sad mm. music. And then she'd be like, uh, she's like, but then I broke free. And then I'd be like, crescendo. And it was just like, oh my God. Um, I would just say in, and we've had this conversation. I, we even actually think had it about the, I think it was the Jake weight loss story, yeah. which is that Survivor has this way. And I do think this is on Survivor more than the players, but I also think it speaks to like who they cast, where like every sad person's story has to end on a happy note. Mm. So like with Katora, for instance, and even she was even explicit in how she like stated it, which I think... I, I don't know if that was coerced from her or something that she offered. But the point being, it's like, the idea always has to be like, I had this really difficult circumstance growing up, but then like, I broke free from it and here's my story. So in Jake's case, it's like, I was really overweight, but then I lost all this weight and here I am. In Katora's case, it was like, I was in this cult and I got out of it and I decided to become a lawyer to help, uh, you know, black women. Um, I'm not sure if the if her queer identity played into her queer, into the her desire to help, I, that whatever, neither here nor there. But the point being, and again, this isn't Katora, but it's like, there's just this sort of like, everything always needs to be so complete as opposed to someone coming in and being like, yeah, I was in a call for several years of my life and I don't even know the ways in which it affects me today because there are experiences that I never had, that I, I sort of have like an empty place in my in my like body over it, and I, uh-huh. I don't know how to fill that. Like that, just the idea of like, the because you know, this is true to so many of us, the experiences we have in our youth, we can kind of sometimes spend a lifetime unpacking the ways in which they affect us in our adult lives. Uh-huh. So just that aspect of it, I don't love, and I just feel like constantly that is, they, they just, it always seems to be that story. I mean, I'm even, you know, you, we were talking about Brett LaBelle earlier, and it was even like, that was the case with Brett, you know? It's like, I was in the closet, but then I came out, and like, everything's great, and it's like, and you could say, well, well, these are just, they're just telling these people's stories, and these are these people's mm-hmm. stories, but again, I think that goes back to the way they cast people, mm-hmm. where it's like, they sort of cast people when they're sort of like, or even thinking about Carolyn, where it's like, I was an, I was an addict, and then I became sober, and life opened up for me. Again, these, this is great. Like, this is the better reality for all these mm-hmm. people, right? But I still think that it tends to be the same storytelling method over and over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you in terms of, like, where they land. I do think, like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think there's more nuance to probably how they're actually feeling. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't speak for Carolyn, but I think probably being sober is not a day-to-day, but you, it's something you live today with day-to-day, right? Yeah. Um, and so pro- some days are probably easier than others. Um, and that's probably the case for Katora as well. But they do, like the show has really leaned into becoming an inspiring in a way, right? And so they want that positive sort of like cherry on top of the story, maybe in cases where there isn't necessarily one. But, you know, I think, 
and it's tough. Like, I I don't want to sound like I'm saying, like, I want players, like, really going through emotional turmoil on Survivor. Like, you know, people are whatever place they are in life. But you think back to, say, Sugar's story in Gabon, where she's, like, really in the thick of, like, you know, grieving her father. Um, And that's interesting. And it's interesting to see and, and, like, probably helpful for some people to see, uh, like, how someone is dealing with that on on a show like this. Um, And I find that's like a really interesting story because it impacts the way that she plays the game. Yes. Again, that was like circumstantial that like her father had recently passed. And so it's not like, it's not like they went out looking for somebody who had had that experience. It's just the person that they cast because they were already an interesting person um, happened to be going through this thing in their life. But maybe like, maybe like five years down the line, she would have been like, oh, this happened to me. I got out of it. And now I'm, Look at me now. I also feel like from a storytelling perspective, we didn't kind of marry the two Katura stories. So last week we had mm-hmm. the letter from her mom, mm-hmm. which caused all of this turmoil to then hear from her mom. And by the way, I did see a lot of people online were in agreement with sort of like the the morality of the producers mm-hmm. presenting her with this. We're in agreement with us in terms of saying, hey, this seems a little bizarre. Anyway, but then we have this episode where it's like my mom got us into this, but then my mom also was the one that made the decision to get us out, which when I hear stories like that, I would typically think that that would like make people like proud of their mom for having the strength, blah, blah, blah. And perhaps that was the case. But again, it's just sort of like these two stories didn't tie together at all. So it's like, okay, well, so it seems like at one point you and your mom were very close. What happened to lead us to the place where you're not close today. And one could say, well, that's not our business. That's yeah. like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, okay, but then the show brought us a letter from her mom, which then instigated Katora going and and sharing the fact that she doesn't have a relationship with her mom. So the point is, it's like, if you're going to present half the story, then it makes sense why us as an audience are going to want feel like we have the right to know more. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like that gray area there, where it's like, obviously respect people's, you know, autonomy of, of telling their story, but it's like, we got so much of the story, but there just feels like there's missing pieces. Yeah. I also think that, and, and maybe this is tied to it, but I don't, I don't need to be speculating about Katora's personal life, but you know, th- this sort of like throwaway comment uh, that she makes about being queer. <clears throat> and like, that's something I forget about Katora because it's not really a part of her story. And we've talked about this over the new era that like, it's kind of nice to have queer contestants where being queer isn't their identity on the show. But with somebody like Katoro, who's like, bitch, gonna, gonna have been on at least 12 episodes of this season and is like interesting on camera, but has only been given uh, one, one storyline, which is I don't like Bruce for the first 10 episodes. Like when she said that, I was thinking, oh, I'd really like to know more about that. Like I would mm-hmm. like to know about her as a queer woman. Like, is this girl in the picture they showed her partner? Is it not? Like, I would like to know about her life a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I'm sort of like con- contradicting what I've said in the past, but I do think that we've really moved away from queer discussion on the show. Yeah. It's funny. It's like we complain when we get I it. Know, we I complain know. when we don't get it. But hey, that I mean, <laughs> all complaints are valid. Um, I did think though that it was interesting having because first of all, to the credit of this this moment, a lot of it did play out on the beach as opposed to in mm-hmm, Talking Head. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think she filled in parts of it in the yeah. Talking Head, but I did at least feel like this was a moment that was like played out in the show as opposed to like being sort of stitched in post. Yeah. Uh, and it was really nice to see Julie. Jake and Katora in conversation. I thought one thing that this episode had that I've been craving was sort of like different configurations. Mm-hmm. Even when we got Katora and Austin talking on the beach, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, I've never seen these two people together, let alone talking game. Um, or even just the idea of like Julie, Katora and and uh, Jake as a trio. This episode was able to give us some different combos, which I think made it fun because so much of this season and i think a lot of the new era has been siloed to like just seeing people talking to the people that they're working with yeah it was also funny to have so we have jake katora and julie all three of our lawyers still left in the game Uh uh-huh but only one is an out lawyer yeah it it was odd to me that like in this moment that katora is like you know connecting with these people in a real way 
that she wouldn't offer it up. But I guess the only thing that it's like too late. <laughs> it's not only like too late, but it's sort of like my question: if I were Jake or Julie, it's like why did you? It would just come back to like why did you lie about this from yeah. the outset? Which is a question we always have. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not even like the reveal. It's like the reveal, but why? Yeah. Uh, what about Katora not being familiar with the Applecot? It was not a great Boston accent on my part. Upset, yeah, but, upset in the apple cot. Okay. Did you miss that? Uh, I, I, I <laughs> she was like it. apple cart. What's an apple cart? Uh huh. I have no feelings okay. about it. Do you? Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I have feeling. I just don't. I haven't oh. worked through them yet. Okay. I feel like there's a meme in there somewhere though. Hmm. If if only just to spell out apple cot. Okay. Don't. No more saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Wow, brutal. Okay. Curmudgeon. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, where do we go from here? Well, I did have something I wanted to, okay. wanted to discuss. Yeah, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this, which was basically this acceptance on Austin's part that this idol that he had given to Julie for a single vote mm-hmm. was suddenly Julie's idol. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing for Julie to think it's her idol, but like Austin was referring to it also as Julie's idol. Mm-hmm. And so that assumptiveness from Julie, but then that assumptiveness being accepted by Austin actually like really, I think is actually a big like resume, whatever for Julie mm-hmm. um, to say that like, you were given this idol by an ally member and then basically just like kept it unquestioned. I thought that whole, like this whole circumstance was just very strange. And the fact that nobody was being like, Julie, like that's not your idol. You didn't get that idol. Like, yeah. I, and like, also like when they got back from the beat from the vote last week, yeah. why didn't Austin say, mama, can I get my idol back? Yeah. Or two weeks ago when he gave it to her, and we've been getting this oh, in yeah, the, sorry. the previously on. We got it last week. We got that, oh, like Austin gave Julia's idol. And then we got it on this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, this has got to be coming to a head. And sure enough, it did. But I have to say, like, iconic behavior from Julie to just not offer it up and to have this power that we haven't quite seen over this group as Mama J, which, yeah, sure, the mama comes with. It comes with comfort and love and care and all the things, you know, that a mother's providing the tribe. But it also maybe comes with a little authority that can't be questioned. And like, there has to be some aspect of Austin, you know, Austin's relationship with Julie, where he's uncomfortable asking her for the idol back. Because in most of these situations, you get back from camp and either the person offers it up or they say, hey, can I have my idol back, by the way? Mm -hmm. And Austin is like too afraid to ask for it, clearly. And it's gone too long, you know, like, had he done it right after tribal probably would have been the easiest, but something stopped him from doing that. And, you know, with each day that goes by, it becomes harder and harder to ask without seeming suspicious. Yeah, very, very bizarre. So like, yeah, I got to hand it to Julie for having like this power over the tribe that often you see, um, the like, I hate to call Julie the older woman, um, but that that you know they're given this like mother status in the tribe and and can be walked over with yeah. that status where here mm-hmm. she had clearly has some power with the status and on that i'm not sure this needs like a breakout discussion necessarily but like i thought we were trying and when i say we i don't even necessarily know who i mean here but like i thought we were trying to pigeonhole the older women less into being this mother archetype Mm -hmm. and i realized that like it's not you know it seems like julie likes this positioning as mama j it seems like it was her decision so maybe the we here is i mean casting i'm not sure but it's like such a bummer that like so much of when julie is spoken about it's like through this lens of her being like this maternal like figure as opposed to just being like a strong player in the game who people respect and love and are worried about because she's a threat. Like the way she's presented as a threat is like less like cunning and lethal and more like she's a threat because she's a big teddy bear because she's a mom. And it's like, I don't know, like I wish and it, it and to Julie's credit, she definitely she's not like like 
the, the, the idea of Mama J, like Julie gave us some serious like firepower in this episode, but it, it's like, it's like when it's literally like when like, oh fuck, mom's mad. Run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Run. <laughs> um, but I just wish that, I don't know. I don't know what I wish. Cause at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that she's not abiding by the archetype that yeah. she's either been boxed into or, or chose. I don't know. So no, there's something here where it's like, it's almost reminded me of Dawn in uh whatever season that was caramon or whatever right <laughs> right like you know like sh- she's actress. mom she's mom she's mom or no that's karen gradell oh jesus okay jesus move on move on move on, on with the tea. Sorry, i'm sorry <laughs> where like you know she has this relationship with brenda and da, 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 and then she turns on brenda and then it comes back like it gets nasty and it's like yeah. okay ma- there's more to mom mama <laughs> more, mama. To, more to mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> mama and like the drag race sense yeah uh, or no she's mother or not mother she's, i don't know yeah, yeah she oh, contains yeah. multitudes uh-huh um yeah i think there's something here and like honestly this yeah this last and, and we saw a little bit of it last week too that we saw glimmers of you know like her 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 rough side coming out last week and here it is and like maybe there is something to this that like she is picking up where emily left off in episode three yeah I do think too, like it's notable that like Bruce didn't have to play as like a dad. Uh, he did play as a dad though. No, I think he was like perceived in that way as like because of like the dad jokes, but I don't think he was ever seen as like a father figure to the tribe. No, not a father figure. But Which again, he was, was, they were complaining about him being a dad in terms but of. But I think that's totally different. Around. Yes, but I think it's very different. Okay, yeah. Because it wasn't... There I wasn't guess, a paternal well, respect for Bruce. But also, maybe that speaks to society and our our relationship with mothers versus fathers, which is a whole other conversation. Snap, snap, snap. Uh, okay. I want to talk really quickly about... So they, they do this immunity challenge, um, which I really liked that puzzle. I love that archway puzzle that has to be oh, yeah. on both sides. Um, they've done that. I, can't, I don't know if they've done that on US Survivor, but they did it recently on Australian Survivor, and it really confused me of like just how it works. But do you think the American survivor would ever cop to the fact that it no. cribbed a challenge from Never. Okay. They don't even acknowledge Australian survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I say something random? Oh, God, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no say sorry. It. This is so random. <laughs> I'm looking out my window right now. And they're, <laughs> oh, they're building. No, hold on. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're building this huge skyscraper, right? Uh, it's going to, it's going to obstruct our entire view. Uh, and I had an epiphany 20 minutes ago. I think the first, Three floors are like the really wide ones. Uh-huh. If I'm out there right now, they're hold on, hear me out, hear me yeah. out. Right now, they're on floor five, they're constructing mm-hmm. floor five. Floor four and floor five are much thinner, mm-hmm. and I actually think are going to end up obstructing only two fifths of my view. And I'm kind of like shook. If, if, if the trend continues, we will not lose our entire view. Yeah. And it just occurred Evan, to me. We've had a way more boring episodes to talk about where you could have brought this up. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, keep us posted. Why don't you keep us posted on the I will. progress? Week yeah. to week. I'm going to snap a photo for the story after that, just for <laughs> yeah. some context. Anyway, but we'll back that. to back okay. to Katora. So we, yeah, no, back to, no, oh. we finished oh, the sorry, back conversation to, back to who? ago. Um, so Drew wins this. First Drew. of all, one thing I have to say is that he was giving Napoleon dynamite when he won this. Like, absolutely. The kicking, uh, the stump, like, it was just like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like a, it was like, it, uh, um, what are those puppets called that are on strings? A marionette. Marionette. Like he moves like a marionette. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So and, that. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I, I really like Drew. I. It's my understanding that Drew gets a lot of hate online, but I'm kind of like, who doesn't? Um, he does. That was my understanding. Okay. I heard it mentioned on an R Hat podcast where they yeah. said, I, yeah, I haven't seen the Drew hate. It's more like I heard about the Drew hate. Sometimes I think though, and this is not. I'm not. 
like saying this about our hat, but sometimes in general, I think like someone will say that something is getting pushed back mm-hmm. or blowback or blah, blah, blah. And I'm sort of like, and then it's just sort of like believed to be the case, but I'm like, wait a minute, maybe you saw like one or two tweets and then suddenly we're like people online. Anywho. Uh, but, but I think that my qualm with Drew is just that we've seen 10 Drews on the show before. So it's less that I like think, cause I actually do think Drew's a somewhat interesting character. It's just that, We've, yeah, like I said, we've seen him. So I think there's just a lot, he doesn't feel as fresh as someone like a D. I hear that, but I also think that Drew is a way more well-rounded character than some of those people. Like uh, the obvious comparison is Cochrane. And I have to say, I find Drew far more compelling to watch than Cochrane because Drew has these shades of like, I, I don't know. Like, he's playing kind of dirty a little bit, and he gets pissed off. Like, he really wears his emotions on his sleeves, and those emotions aren't... None of those emotions are, I'm a dweeb and nobody likes me, which is so uh-huh. often the case with the Drew type of character, that that's their storyline. Drew has this confidence that, like, sort of sets him apart in this archetype for me. Is he, like, an, an all-time, like, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, but I do find him far more interesting than uh, a lot of the people in this archetype from the past. Fair. One thing with Drew, though, that, like, confuses me is it's, like, his end game is so unclear to yeah. me because he talks in this episode about, like, wanting to get Julie out, but it's, like, from the viewer perspective, and I think most of us would be in agreement here, D and Austin have as good uh, have a better it's like of the four of them the least likely to win if the four if some combo of the four of them were to go to the end would be drew oh i don't know about that well but okay i i think in drew's mind and i could see this in reality that with him like this duo he has with austin i think drew has enough to point to to be like this was my move this was my move this was my move but what his mind well it's like these like he seeded this idea of getting Julia, which like granted didn't happen, but he corralled this whole thing. He said yeah, it to Katora, then he let Katora go take. I know, but he was like, th- Yeah, that- but you're gonna own a move that didn't work. Like, uh, I, don't- I think you could, I think you could really. I Isn't mean, you that- could, like, if you're talking about your social influence on the tribe or your strategic influence on the tribe, um, I think, I think you can do that. And I just I think it's a hard like- argument to be like, I led everyone to this mistake. Well, it doesn't become a mistake when they're all when they all become in on it. Do you know what I mean? Like once once they're aware of what's going to happen with uh, Julie's idol and the Emily vote, um, then mm-hmm. they're all a part of it. But he, like he can point back to the fact that like it originated with him. He can point back to the idea that he brought Emily into this, which was a number they needed, and then you know like. You know, when push came to shove, he was okay with her going home. Um, I think that every stra- strategy conversation he's had with Austin, he has been the leader of. Yes, but do you think, so going back to what you just said about like Emily, for instance, it's like, I just don't see Emily voting for Drew. Over. No, me neither. So my point is, it's like, even, so if, if we're recognizing, as you say, like these like moves that he made that he would present, I just, it seems as though like, I just see Austin, Julie, or D being a more viable choice for a winner than Drew. I don't see Austin. I don't see Austin getting a lot of votes in any final tribal scenario. Like I could be eating my words in two weeks. I don't know. But I really think that, I think that Drew has the ability to lay out his game in a more palatable way to the jury than Austin. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like nerds I don't know, I, for nerds. My instinct is that like neither of them would really excel at like yeah. final tribal. I think so I either guess of them be... sitting next to D lose to D. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we ha- lose it, to it, Julie, it, but I'm not convinced about that. It's also really hard to say because it's like, so we've been told, but not shown, that everyone loves Mama J. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know how people feel about D. No, we as don't. a game You're right. player. You're right. Yeah, because like, she could so, be rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, you know. So, and then also, you made that comment about like Drew and and uh, Austin as like this duo. It's like I don't do people see them that way. I think I they mean, do. But we, but again, we don't know that. Yeah, because it's like we, for all we know, they're seen as a four. 
I, uh, I, I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, but we've seen, like, I think that when they got split up in the tribe swap and Emily joined them, I think we've seen far more conversations between Emily and those two. It's clear that Emily feels more comfortable with the boys than with the girls in the Reba 4. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just sometimes the, uh, like, spatial dynamic of where people are talking on the island, like, we see Drew and Austin as a unit so often down at the beach, like, at camp. Um yeah, we're not being like it's not being discussed a whole lot, but uh, it's discussed within the Reba Four, like the the girls and the boys. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't. Know. Also, can too- I wait? There's something I really need to talk about before we wrap up, and I'm worried we're not going to get there. It's that when <laughs> Drew wins his immunity and he has a boys' barbecue, and the girls go back to camp, and I thought there was this incredibly funny scene where the four girls are sitting in the water cleaning off and they have nothing to talk about, so they read their buffs. And I feel like we're being put on blast again because they, they're they reading their buffs and they're like, buffs is a registered trademark. That's got to lead the carousel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, LOL. A lot of like meta moments in this episode because you yeah. also have like Austin referencing the Boston Rob and Amber thing and just like talking about Survivor on Survivor. And then this moment, yeah. Which also, just because it's somewhat related to this, Drew shaking hands with Jeff when he won <laughs> immunity of the sad moments I've witnessed on this show. <laughs> it's like you would think he just got like a Congressional Medal of Honor. It's just, I don't know. And again, this is just my sensibility, but like you're, I don't know. I feel even bad saying this because I know there are listeners that like, but in my humble opinion we just need to aim higher that i don't know but then i'm like if that's what you if that's your desire in life live and let live so actually you know what i'm eating my words good Mm -hmm. for him shake the hand but if i were jeff and drew goes in for the handshake i wouldn't give it to him oh you think jeff's gonna turn down physical i know right jeff's like you love me yeah Uh, one more thing we could discuss before we wrap up here is, well, I just want to get your take on Austin telling D about the Julie plan. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Well, real quick. So I turned to Billy and I was like, if if this all plays out, like if Julie's able to get Austin out in this moment and it's all facilitated by beginning with this point, I was like, we might have iconography on mm-hmm. our hands. And I will say, like, honestly, if I'm being perfectly frank, I don't think we've seen iconography on Survivor since 37. Um, maybe in 39, because I do, but it, it's I'd have to rewatch, but I do remember like really snapping my hands with 39 several times. But I don't think we've gotten iconography in New Era. I was like, this really has some potential here. Um, and I just thought the way that the scene played out, in particular, if this was scripted dialogue, if this was Sammy Birch writing May, December, the fact that Austin says, uh, he offers up, he says her, and mm. D hears that as Emily, mm. is such a strong piece of dialogue mm. because it just goes to show that Austin thinks that he has laid all of his cards down and then with Dee's response, it's like, oh, no, Austin, there's another card left in the deck that you have to lay down before yeah. you're fully folded. Yeah. But then for them to come back from the commercial break, replay that scene, but take out that part, yeah. that was a little bit balloon <laughs> deflating for me. Yeah. But on the whole, I thought not only was this just such an incredibly tense scene, but I really tipped my hat to Austin because that is a really hard conversation to have and very much one that's like not about the game at least in my interpretation was sort of like i love and respect you and i this move is happening i don't want to blindside you i do think austin perhaps smartly so didn't portray it as like this is what we're gonna do he basically was like d you and i are both backed into this corner yes yes but if i were d i would have been like yeah but why are you in the know about this like why wasn't i told as opposed to you being the one to tell me, which D didn't seem to question. But yeah, from a drama, storytelling, like this to me was the best part of the episode. The thunder and lightning? Whew. Yeah. I really really loved it. Although it's like, it was like, did feel very like edited in, but in a way that, but in a way (laughs) that I was sort of like, okay, I accept. It's art, yeah. Like this, this I want. 
Kenny Loggins, yes. Boys Night Out. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great just because it comes back again. Like like I said last week, it's like you had uh, Julie struggling with the morality of the game. Well, she's over that. Um, right. And, you, and here you sort of have it again where it's like Austin is like, I care about this person and it's harder than it's harder for me than just to go in and lie to them and then like explain it after, which is sort of like asking for forgiveness immediately after tribal, uh, mm-hmm. which is the way that people typically do this. And this is what makes survivor so interesting is this like, like wild card human aspect where it's like, I'm playing a little bit with emotions here and I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say that's, that could jeopardize this move. And it did jeopardize the move as it like, just, I think the whole way it played out where like D tells Julie, Julie confronts Jake and Emily and is like, it's going to be one of you. And uh, like the way that that all comes back around to D finding out that Julie's been told like, or, or that Austin finding out that Julie's been told by D uh, there's like sort of like m- little betrayals everywhere. Right. Um, and I got to say it was too, so effective. Um, last point I'll just make is like this, this moment when Julie went, you know, I don't know if you want to call it rogue or whatever, it sort of exemplified why I don't think Emily is a great survivor player, which is that I understand the instinct of like, I just got told this information. I'm going to bring it back to my people as a sign of like loyalty, but it should have been done in a more private manner because Emily like spilling the beans to this like large group of people to me doesn't make her look good. Yeah. It makes her look as like, I don't know, it's very like um, star student to me as a as opposed to her like going to like who I believe is her number one, which I think is Austin. Maybe, no, like, true. It's true. Is it true? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I don't know. I always felt like she like, liked Austin. Well, Sorry, who? Are we talking about Emily? Emily. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, Drew. Okay, well then going to Drew and being like, hey, this conversation just happened. I'm bringing it to you because like you're my number one. I actually think that could have gone a lot better for her had she not just been like, here's what's going on, guys. And it's like, all right, Emily, like, okay. Well, also just like hearing that from Julie, Emily's flag should be going off being like, there's a leaker. There's a leaker and I have to be careful who I talk to right now. And so I'm going to go to my number one and let him deal with it Mm -hmm. because he's on the inside, right? So if there is a leaker, he could find out who it is because I don't think it's him. It's not in his interest to be leaking this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, bad play. All right. With that, I think we are going to wrap up. And head on over to the after show where I have several things to discuss. Have you Emoji. watched Squid Game? I'm on episode three. Okay. I would like to touch down. I did finish, but can we be a do spoiler it next free week? conversation? No, no. Oh, okay. Can we, I'll finish it by next week. Okay. And then we'll give people some time to watch if they're watching. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that then on the after show next but week. Really... But really? We've got lots to talk about on the after show this week. Oh, we do. This, this episode coming yeah, up right sure now. Okay. Let's pick our emoji. Oh, yes. Emoji. I've got Billy in the background making a lot We've of noise got on the podcast. Billy in the background. He is, you know, <laughs> stomping. And... <laughs> Do you want to say hi? Have you, wait, 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 wait. Have you ever been on the podcast? Probably not. Sean, has he? Uh, well, I did I actually edit, edit him out of the Carolyn episode, but okay. <laughs> uh, I recently, well, it's just because it didn't make sense because um, there was a visual required. But I will say that I just recently put up the full video of the Carolyn episode exclusively on our Patreon and there's no cutting Billy out of the video. Oh, got it. So Billy has made his, we've soft launched Billy on the Patreon. Got it. Well, let's hard launch him now. Billy, do you want to come say hi real quick? Hello. Hi, Billy. Oh, he can't hear me. (laughs) He can't hear you. (laughs) And that is our, (laughs) that is our Billy cameo. Uh, Okay. The emoji. The emoji. Um, Nothing is springing. Oh, what about, um, Well, I don't want to get into like legal trouble. Is there a trademark emoji? Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like by acknowledging the the buff, <laughs> the buffs as a trademark, like this stuff's gonna come back and be like played back in court one day to me. No big be, deal. Like, you knew. Uh, Billy's parents are trademark lawyers, so we'd be <laughs> we'd be sad. Okay, so the trademark symbol for sure. Is that an emoji though? Like I don't yeah. actually know. Yeah, TM. Oh yeah, trademark. Love that. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. And uh, happy first night of Hanukkah to all who celebrate. Oh, my God. Already? Yeah, tonight. Oh, my God. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Wow. All right. (laughs) Maybe throw in a menorah emoji. Yeah, we'll totally accept that. But you got it. Well, TM, how about... (laughs) 
TM is wait, hold on. TM is the emoji. TM with a menorah is the bonus points. Okay. Yeah. And and you're keeping track of the points, right? I'm totally keeping Wait, oh, wasn't there something we were supposed there to There was something we were supposed to be keeping track of. I know. Oh, there wait, wait. Oh, it's the farters. I think that was like last season. It's what? the farters. The oh, straight the farters. men who fart. I have to say, so wait. many straight oh, men. Oh my god. Wait, hold on. Shout out to the straight men. Yeah, shout out to the straight men. Shout out. I'm Period. blown away. And most of them aren't farting around their friends. Yeah, it seemed like the, the consensus was not so not so much farting. Yeah. Good to know. All right. <laughs> okay, with that, you can, of course, find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod, where you'll leave your trademarks and menorahs. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Drop Buffs Pod. And of course, if you want to go catch the after show on Patreon, you can become a patron by following the link in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.